Hope everybody's doing well this morning. We're so excited to have you here. Um, we know that everybody comes in with, with different stuff, whether it's excitement, whether it's disappointment, um, joy, fear. Um, no matter what you're coming in with, we have a God who wants to meet you there. So we invite you to stand up and praise him as we sing.
Together, I could sing on your love forever. 
nothing we have to do, nothing we have to prove, but God, we just have to be with you. So we just ask, God, that you would continue to move as we worship, as we call out holy, holy, you are. Let's continue worshiping together.
let's offer up our gifts to him today. Oh, service where we we come together in prayer because we believe that God is not some statue or some being that has nothing to do with us, but he is somebody who is living and active and involved in our lives. And so this morning, if there's a need that you're dealing with today, it could be something very personal, very tough that you're going through. Maybe it's a family member who's dealing with a health thing or Maybe you're in a tough place financially. Maybe you've been praying for a long time for something and you've just not seen anything yet. I just want to invite you in this space to find a seat right now if there's a need you have. And there's going to be people that come around you and lay their hands or extend their hands towards you. We're just going to take some time as a church to pray together. And so, God, right now we come before you, Lord, with open hearts, Lord, excited about what you've already done in this place. But, God anticipably waiting for you to continue to move, God. God, we know all around this room, God, and those online that there are individual needs, God, 
that each one of us carry. And God, even in places where we struggle, in places of grief, places of doubt, God, we know that your love for us remains the same. And so God, right now I pray over those who are seated. God, that your spirit's already here, but that in some way, Lord, that they would just feel and sense your tangible presence with them today. God, that you are a God who wants to be close to us in our places of brokenness and need. God, that you want your spirit to bring comfort to us. And so, God, I pray that right now in Jesus' name. I also lift up, Lord, there have been a lot of families this week dealing with some really heavy stuff. God, you know all of those needs, and I just pray, God, that, that they would continue to feel your presence with them. Lord, we also just continue to pray and ask, God, that, that we would be a church who not only thinks within these four walls, but extends the love of Jesus Christ to our communities. God, that in everything we do, in our work, in our play, in our times at home, God, that we would always be thinking with a heart for the lost, God, that we want to see people come to know you. So continue to advance your kingdom, God, we pray in Jesus' name and give us hearts to respond. We pray all of this in the mighty name of Jesus and we all said together, amen. amen, amen. Well, so good to worship and to pray with you. I wanna invite you, if you're in the room with us, to find your seat. And for the families uh, that are being dedicated today, the children, if the moms, dads, and kids will come up on stage and uh, we're gonna transition to that part of service. Why don't you welcome them as they make their way up? And enjoy watching them try just to navigate stairs with kids. Because that will be fun, it looks like. And then we've got some added dimensions. Well, you've really uh, taken it another level, haven't you? I love it. So we had a bunch of kids dedicated first service as well. We actually had a couple that they were planning on having their child dedicated, and they had their second one last week, so they decided to wait. I don't know why you're not here. It's Sunday. Come on. I didn't tell them that. I'm just kidding. We're very excited that we get to dedicate today. I'm going to explain a little bit of what that means, and then I'll be asking them some questions. I'll ask you some. We're going to actually then dedicate the kids, and it will be, don't even worry about it. Just let them say whatever they want. Not a problem. People don't listen to me anyway. It won't matter. It's all good. <laughs> I like that. So one of the beautiful pictures we have from our history, from Scripture, and then from the early church in the Jewish culture, this became an act of dedication. It was both written into their very, their kind of way of life and their laws, but it was also a picture. So Hannah was a woman that couldn't have children. She begged and went to the prophet and said, I want one, and said, by a year from now it will happen. And she literally brought the child back eventually and dedicated the child to God out of such gratitude that God provided. And then all throughout history, this has been true, it's been true in the church that in essence, these parents are dedicating, they're saying to God, we are so grateful you've given us these and entrusted them to us that we're going to dedicate them to you. So I'm actually going to go through just to make sure uh, everybody, everybody knows who everybody is. Do you guys all know who everybody is? I won't even tell you anything. I'm kidding. I, I will tell you. So we're going to start down here, and I have, I have notes because I'm afraid I would goof it up. So this is Lila and Levi, right? They're being dedicated. Uh, for Charlie and Jessica, and then you have extra points here for coming up with a wound. We won't ask you how that happened or anything else, but I talked about it anyway, so aren't you glad? This is the Kavanaugh's, uh, Brett and Nikki, and they're dedicating Quinn, Nicole, right? And then the, uh, the Petersons here, I know you guys, I'm just being weird. Cody and Raylan, and they're dedicating uh, twins, 
Twins. That's just beautiful. Not that it doesn't count when you have one. It's a big deal. It's just you see twins and everybody sweats a little bit and marvels at the same time. So we, I'm sorry, something's wrong with me, but I'm here. Cole and Reed, Cole Knox and Reed Bennett. And then uh, Brian and Julie are dedicating Carter David. I'm still shocked that my name didn't make it in there anyway, despite the money, the things I begged, nothing happened. Uh, and then uh, Chad, Chad and Becca are dedicating Bo Ryan. And so I just thought it was good for you to at least know. What we'll do is I'm going to ask them some questions. It's part of their act of dedication. I will then ask you because as the church family, we are part of this. And then we're actually going to dedicate them and pray over them uh, down here with their family. So you guys will be ready to get up in just a few minutes. But let me begin this way that ultimately we believe an act of dedication is first your own dedication. In a sense, you can't dedicate your kids to God if you're not living for him on your own. And that's born out of that. So my first question is, are you committing, are you dedicating your own life to follow Jesus and live for him, kind of fill out and surrender your life to him? If so, just say it is. And then I always want to remind couples that the beautiful picture is that marriage is meant to be the center and kids pour out of it. Oftentimes we can build our lives around our kids. And at the end of the creation narrative, it says God made man and woman, the two were together, they were naked, they felt no shame and it was good. So let me just remind you, marriage is good and it's the foundation. And I, I reminded my wife of this. Even after the kids grew up, I said, just remember, I'm the prize. I am the prize. I told her, I don't even care if it's true. Just pretend and tell yourself I'm the prize. That ultimately, marriage itself is meant to be the ambition, the heart. It's where you first live out the gospel. And so what we say is, are you committed to living out of oneness, out of your marriage, first discovering how you care for, love each other, grow together in Christ before you spill that out into your family? If so, just say it is. And then finally, as an act of dedication, is it your commitment to dedicate your little one, your little ones to the Lord to say, God, I want what you want for them. I want your dreams for them, not simply my own. I'm not looking for them to live the way I want to. I want them to live out of what you have made them to be and do and follow that. And if so, just say again, it is. And then the beauty is we're all here to help. So I get to ask them questions too. So I'm going to have you guys uh, stand as I ask these of you. And the beautiful thing is that when we engage, we together are the church family. And indeed, our family directly through life and, uh, and history. I'll ask you this. Is it your commitment to help these little ones become all that God made them to be? If so, say it is. It is. is it your commitment to walk alongside of these couples in their life of marriage and encourage and support and help them cultivate the oneness God intends for them through the good, the bad, all that goes on? If so, say it is. And then let me just say it this way. The same way we give, we receive. These little kids will teach us. And are we humble enough to both receive, not just give? And that goes for their parents as well. But I'm asking you, are you willing to be led by, taught by, and grown in Christ through everyone up here? If so, say we are. We are. Awesome. So I'm going to ask you all, you're going to come down here and make your way across here. And then the families you're going to follow... Follow to your direct family. I'm not trying to mix you up or anything. And we're going to pray over them. We're going to dedicate these children directly as we do this. And so as they make their way here, um, I will be praying. And they had verses that they planned as well. And I'll be praying specifically for those as well. You guys come on over. I'm sorry. I wasn't telling you to wait. Make your way. Get by your families. Put your arms around them. You guys will have to spread out a little bit just so we have room for everybody, I think. And be by your families. 
feel like there should be some walking music or something, don't you? I should just take your time, bro. It's all good. As they're making their way, I'll just tell you. So I love this. The verse that they chose for Carter David was Joshua 1.9. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. A beautiful and wonderful picture. And we'll keep going through them as we all get here. Let's go ahead and pray. And if you want to, you can place your hands out. If they get tired, you can set them down. But just kind of place them out as we pray over these ones being dedicated. Lord, we lift up each child to you right now. Oh, God, we pray very specifically uh, for Bo. Lord, we thank you and pray the simple thing that his parents did. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. Turn his face towards you and give you peace. We pray that specific blessing over him as he walks through life. We again pray for Carter David here, Lord, that he would be strong and courageous and not discouraged, that you would be with him wherever he goes. God, and we pray here as well for Cole and Reed. We pray these wonderful things that, God, since we have seen them come and even enter into life, we pray very specifically that they will continually ask that we do, ask God to fill them with knowledge of your will, Lord, through all wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. We pray that specifically over them, God. And, Lord, we pray for Quinn right now. We join his parents uh, even saying that Quinn would be one that rejoices always, that prays continually, and that gives thanks in all circumstances, that there is a joy and a life that exudes out of him. And Lord, we pray uh, finally here uh, for these two little ones, for Lila and Levi. Lord, we pray uh, that your peace, your peace would be on them, that would be a peace that pastors understanding, and you would guard their hearts and their minds in you. And Lord, in addition to these specific things, we pray for each little one. Lord, we pray for each life that they would grow in you, that their character would run ahead of their giftedness, that their life would be forged in you, that you would develop the dreams and the desires you have for them. And even their family around them would see your dreams and visions, not their own, but yours. And so we pray that into them. We pray for these parents that their life of oneness would grow and would spill out into their kids' lives, that their life of intimacy with you would grow and spill out and to each other. And Lord, we pray the blessing of each child not only knowing you at an early age, but always growing in you to their last, that the best would be ahead for them. And Lord, we joyfully dedicate them now in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit to you and dedicate their families to you and pray your kingdom come, your will be done, and there be joy all around for this. We pray it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Hey, let's welcome and thank these folks here. You can have a seat. You can have a seat. All right. You, uh, you may be seated. If you guys want to go ahead and uh, take a seat, you're welcome to. Uh, listen, isn't this a sign of a growing church figuratively and uh, subjectively? So we're so excited about that. I actually became a grandfather for the first time two weeks ago. Um, for any of you who are interested, I will be in the lobby. I've got a few pictures for you. Um, but no, I, I'm so excited because I'll get the opportunity to experience this on a whole different level uh, with my daughter and son-in-law. So, so excited for you and uh, just that you're a part of the church family. Well, welcome. It's so good to have you here today. We're so thankful that you've come to visit. If you're a guest, if you're a regular tender, welcome to you too. 
we're hoping that today is the last cold day in Michigan, right? Um, yeah, yeah, you can clap for that, right? We're all kind of ready for it. But we're so thankful that you're here. Again, if you're a guest with us today, we want to say just again a special welcome. Uh, we would love to get connected and know that you're here. And the way that we do that here at All Shores is if you would just fill out that QR code that you'll find out in the you'll find in the chair uh, in the seat back in front of you. You can take your camera and just scan that. It'll take you to our connection card. And just let us know that you're here. We'd love to be able to connect with you and just say thanks for being here. That's a great place for the rest of you who call Shores Home to communicate with our staff. If you have any needs, if there's questions, you can also fill that uh, connection card out. Maybe you're watching us online this morning, and you can do that through our website. I do want to let you know that next Sunday, if you have been visiting and you're a new person over the last few weeks, we have what's called Newcomer 9. That will happen next Sunday morning after each of the services. It's just a couple of minutes to connect with some of our staff back in our guest reception room, which is in the lobby. So if you have been coming and you're going to be here next week, we'd love to just introduce ourselves to you and make a quick connection. So that happens next week. Again, it happens after both services. And then finally, we have our offering that we focus on again each uh, Sunday. It's an opportunity for us to worship the Lord in a very unique way. And we want to, again, thank you for your faithfulness. We did give a financial update out. I think if you were here last week, if you weren't or didn't receive that on email, you can pick that up in the lobby on your way out or a connection point. Tells you a little bit about what's happening uh, here at All Shores from a purely budgetary financial standpoint. And again, would love to just take a minute if you didn't get that for you to stop by and grab one of those. Well, lots coming up. Easter is like three weeks away. If you don't realize it, some of you recognize spring break is coming even before that. So that's the first hurdle we get over. But uh, Easter's coming. We've got a few other events coming up in the next few weeks. So take a look at the screens and see what's up. Hey, All Shores. I want to invite you to our next worship night, which is going to be Friday, March 24th at 6.30 p.m. And I'm really, really anticipating this night because it's gonna be our first worship night at our Muskegon campus. It's happening right in the middle of our season of Lent where we're gonna take time to just reflect on Jesus's life and ministry. And at this night, we're gonna spend some time together worshiping, giving our thanks and gratitude to the Lord. So mark your calendars for Friday, March 24th. Muskegon campus, don't forget, and I hope to see you there. Miscellaneous. Okay, uh, so what what do we have left in miscellaneous envelope? Nothing. Nothing. Where did it all go? I, diapers. Diapers. Since when does diaper money come? Let's out? not keep tail. We need to talk about Easter. Honey, we would love to talk with you about Easter, but mommy I'm and daddy are busy. Stick away, all you guys. Lucy, hi. Um, look, we know how important it is for you to invite our family and friends to Easter services. We've just been really busy lately. Okay, that's enough, big guy. Excuse you? Who are you inviting to Easter service? I need names, people. Okay. Have you been letting her listen to sermons in the minivan again? Uh, sweetie, can you please just get off the coffee table? The <laughs> <laughs> Look, um, full transparency, uh, mom and dad don't really know how our friends would react if we asked them to go to church with us. People need the Lord. Really need a new halftime playlist. Mm -hmm. Jesus is going to be real sad. 
you're right. People really do need Jesus. Clearly now more than ever. We'll come up with a list of names, okay? Daddy, please try to keep up. Well. No, no, not Chris from work. Yeah, Chris from work. Oh! It is as bad as the experts feared. Hurricane Ian has made landfall in Florida. There are a few corners the of the massive state of California not feeling the impact. And we have some breaking news are. out of the Virginia where police say a six-year-old is in custody. U.S. officials say that up to 100 Ukrainian Tonight, a battle to control the state of Sinaloa, Mexico. As Hurricane Ian slammed in the deadly mass shooting in Chesapeake, Virginia. Six people, 100 And the worst is yet to come. Our team is breaking well, I want to welcome those joining us online, all of you here in the Spring Lake campus. We're in a series that we've titled Off the Grid, kind of looking during what we call the season of Lent. It's an inward journey at how we unplug and why we should unplug. And so this is one of a series of kind of discussions, engagement, and scripture over issues that surround technology. I want to simply invite you in the quiet to pray that we believe it's about revelation, not about information or persuasion, not that I can convince you or give you enough information, but that God wants to speak to you, that we open scripture trusting God will make himself known. And so whatever your posture today, whether you're in doubt or discovery or even struggling, whether you're walking and moving along and want to grow more, whether you're kind of in between, just be honest with God. You pray in the quiet, and then I'll pray for us together. Lord, I, uh, I thank you that you are a God of revelation, and I, I believe you want to speak to us. So I'm, I'm praying you'd speak however you want to, to each person among us, each person online, each person that will watch later. And in the same way, Lord, I'm, I'm asking you that whatever I have to say that's not from you, let it fall to the ground, let it be forgotten. But I do pray that whatever is from you, Lord, that your spirit would give witness, that would help people see it's you, and you'd encourage, you would grow us, you would help us respond and discover you in new ways. Lord, I join with the psalmist praying the words I speak and the way we respond and our hearts and actions would please you, our rock and our redeemer. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. In case you haven't been around church, that's what we say at the end. Amen just means it's true. So as I said, we're in this series about being off the grid, kind of finding peace. And, and we recognize that it's very difficult for all of us to find peace. In fact, this right here is a quote. This is a quote from a famous person. You can kind of think about who do you think it might be telling a little bit of their own life and struggle. Uh, he says it this way. It seems to me that no matter how famous you are, no matter how accomplished or how many awards you get, you'll always still, there's always still thinking, there's somebody out there who's better than you. I'm often reading a magazine and hearing about someone's new record, and then I think, oh, that, oh boy, that's going to be better than me. 
It's a very common thing. So think about who you think that might be. Think, is there a point you get to when you don't struggle with this kind of idea? And I'll just tell you, it's Paul McCartney, and he said this in 2013, so it's not even early Paul McCartney. And there's a second interview, there's probably multiple after that, in 2017 where he literally said the same thing. In other words, no matter what I've done and accomplished, it never feels quite like enough. Can you relate to that at all? That we live in a world, in a culture that's always demanding, striving, that we're never quite good enough, that we'll never quite get there. And I think we live in a world without peace because we don't know how to actually rest and feel secure, that we live in this insecurity of striving and running and going. And you're saying, well, how does it connect to technology? Why would we even do that in here? And, and I want to I say it this way, kind of even before we get there, is just this. This is my stated belief about this. Striving is rooted in insecurity, and it's cultivated by earning. And what I mean by this is, tend to be when we strive, we're saying, I'm not enough and I haven't done enough. And what that does is it creates a posture was when we accomplish things, it's cultivating earning. In other words, if I do more and be more, maybe then I'll be enough. I'll be loved and approved of. And can we just agree it's very hard to live in that kind of place, that we live in a very transactional culture, one that demands us to always achieve more and do more. We're doers, we're not beers, right? And that's how we live. And you say, well, how does that connect to technology? Why would that matter? And let me pull back just for a minute. Let's take our students, let's take our teenagers, because it's easier to start with them because we can all go, oh, that must be hard. Now, now, you think about it. If you're a teenage boy or girl and you post a picture of yourself online, and many of them do many times, you then watch for the reaction. Did I get enough likes? Did I get enough comments? And then even if by some chance, maybe that elevated you enough, you know you might see somebody else who got more. And suddenly it's not enough. Suddenly it's not quite there. And it used to be our kids would kind of be in battling in these things that they were in their school life and they would come home for a place of safety and now they come home and what do they do? They pull up their technology and they're still there and they're facing it 24-7. Why did they go somewhere and I didn't? Why does their life look better than mine does? And, and I know none of you struggle, but can we pull it back to adults for a minute? Can, can we agree that we struggle the same way? Can we agree that sometimes we're even building our businesses going, I better market this well. I better make sure our business is accelerating in a way that's approved of. And even though that may not be a bad idea, we begin to attach our identity to those things. Like if this isn't well, I'm not okay. And maybe I'm not good enough. It happens everywhere all the time, doesn't it? And we're in a place of constant looping feedback. And usually it's not good, is it? Some years ago, I read a book by John Saunders. He was a, a commentator for the NBA, and he wrote a book called Playing Hurt, kind of talking about his own struggles and battles. He's since passed away, but one of the stories he tells in the book is how he would do this commentating on these, NBA, on these NBA nights, and the first thing he did when he got off the air was he would go to his phone and see the reaction on Twitter, which always tanked him. I mean, have you ever lived in a time where we felt like we can constantly critique? And most of us critique. We don't give constructive feedback. I, I feel so sorry for anybody who likes Purdue right now. Like, like, if you like Purdue, people treat you like, how could you ever like Purdue? That coach is horrible. They're the worst people on the planet. I know he's won the Big Ten. He's done a lot of other things, but look how bad he's done here. That We just shell him. And that's just a small thing. That's not even a window that should matter, is it? 
But I want you to consider with me that we live in a culture that is striving. It's rooted in insecurity, and it's cultivated by learning. And, and let me clarify it this way, because I think this is true in the church, too. In case you haven't been around the church, we, we operate on this premise that God loves us and forgives us and gives us unconditional. In other words, we're all worthy of love. We'd say every person on the planet, even in our brokenness, is worthy of love. But how do you measure worthiness? Can we agree that many of us measure it at an insecure, struggling, almost like this is the picture I have often in the church. Yeah, God forgives me, but he's really disappointed that I'm not getting better quicker. He forgives me, now get after it and strive. And so this is what I want to offer you as an alternative today. And then we're going to look at scripture, which I think reinforces it. I think resting is rooted in identity. And it's cultivated by effort. And what I mean by this is, if we can be at peace with who we are and we know who we are, we work with things at effort, but it's not in order to be okay or to be enough. It's in response to the identity we have. I just want you to see the difference, and then we're going to look at it scripturally because I think it's really clear in Scripture that it's this way. And let me just say to all of us, we live in a climate that is always saying you can do better and be more and achieve more. In fact, what we often hear is don't slack off. You got this far, you better keep going. And so you'll be clear, I'm not telling you just sit where you are, I'm telling you to have a different posture. And I'm challenging, are we striving and insecure? Are we resting and living in identity? Let me take you to John's letter. This is his third letter he writes to the early church. He writes three of them, they're very short actually. It should almost be like he wrote a page in each one, they're, they're very short. And John is one of the earliest apostles, follower of Jesus. And in this section, and really the theme of this letter is about God's love. And so we're going to look at what he has to say and see what this might mean for us today. And he says it this way in the third chapter in verse 1. See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that's what we are. <laughs> I mean, he'll go on and talk about the world and we'll come back to that, but it's very interesting to me, John, from his own life and from what he's seen of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, goes, oh, the Father doesn't just kind of love us, he lavished love on us. Now, when you hear a word like lavished, you should think of things like extravagant, generous, but I would add words like sacrificial and deeply committed to what we need, kind of other-centered sacrificial love. And John explains it in more detail later in the letter. This is what he says about what this means. Later in the, in the letter, he says it this way. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent, he gave his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we love God, not that we did anything, not that we did enough, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Now, we talk about this often theologically. You know, what does atonement mean? It's the substitutionary sacrifice. But I want you to hear it just this way. God adopts us as sons and daughters. That means we become his. And the way he does that is in the deepest part of the things we think are unlovable and completely make us unworthy of love, God sees them and goes, I'm going to die for that. The parts you think, I've got to get better so God will be, I'll be acceptable before God. He goes, no, you could never do that. You need to rest in the fact that God loves us 
And Jesus comes to die for us. God actually comes to sacrifice for us in the areas we think are unlovable and unworthy so that we're not only forgiven, but we'll be changed and become his. And he adopts us as his kids. We're chosen, loved, redeemed, forgiven. Come on. Tell me that's not an identity we should have. And what I want you to understand is I don't think we fully grasp it. Even those who sit and say we're followers of Jesus, I think we often live this way. God forgives me reluctantly, and he's disappointed if I don't start running hard and start striving more. And if you don't think that's true, if I told you to relax and take a day off, would you struggle? Because most of you would. Although I heard a child say no, and I'm very happy for that. <laughs> they have not been indoctrinated. Well, good parenting right there. You know, they know they could... But we struggle. It's the weirdest thing to me how people will tell me they can't rest. And I'm thinking, we've got more at our disposal to help us and we have less ability to ever live from a point of rest. We better get going. And let's be honest, when all we live in is this kind of constant disappointment from God, it's almost like I hope in some way I do enough that he won't be disappointed and disgusted by me. He's kind of reluctantly loving. But is that what John described? God lavishly poured out love on us. Does that sound reluctant? God comes while we're sinning and doing all the things that cause brokenness and make us unworthy. And he goes, you know what? I'm going to stand in your place and die and atone for it. Does that sound like a, that's incredible sacrificial love, isn't it? Like, do you realize God's crazy about you? He looks and he goes, you're my son, you're my daughter, you're my son, you're my daughter, you're my son, you're my daughter. And he loves the family growing and getting bigger. And he loves every one of you, every one of us, and everyone outside of us that he wants to know this. It is not from being worthy. It's not from striving. It's not an insecurity that if we do enough that cultivates this earning, maybe I'll earn God's love. It's a rest that it brings an identity, that out of that identity we give effort because we want to be his, not because we hope to not disappoint him. Do you see the difference? John goes further into it here to give more of a picture, not just a picture of what it's like in heaven, but what we're moving towards in this. But before he does, he's gonna, I want to go back to this piece where he says, the world does not know us it didn't, because it didn't know him. I want to take you back to the garden for a minute with Adam and Eve. Because unfortunately, I, I, think, I think we live more as if we're still stuck in that, what happened afterwards, than we are being his kids. So when God made Adam and Eve to live in the garden, they worked. They worked the land. They oversaw the whole earth. They were the ones to champion it, but they were his. They were subjected and being in relationship with God as their father, as the one who loved them. And the devil comes and says, you should try this. You should know what good and evil is. Take a bite of that because you can be like God. We call that sin when they chose it, but what they chose was to be like him instead of be his. But what it ultimately means is they chose to strive and try to achieve out of their own self way. Now here's the bummer is I think we often live as if we don't know him. I want to say it again. I think as Christians we live as we don't know him. I know that God is my father. I know that I am his son. I know that I'm his daughter, you may say. But I'm going to live as if he's disappointed and telling me to strive. Because man, if you knew how messed up my life was... There's no way God could actually love me right now, which is basically code for God loves us more when we achieve and less when we don't. 
Did you know your best achievement, God's not looking at it going, man, finally, I'm proud of that one. And do you know in your worst failure, God's not looking going, oh my goodness, he's tipping off the scale. Can you believe it has no bearing on how he loves you? It doesn't mean you don't do good things. It just means that doesn't affect how God sees you. I mean, I think about that often as a parent. Like, I don't want my kids to think I only love them if they do the right things. And here's what happens. We oftentimes with our own children, if they're not living and performing well, we are embarrassed as if to say, I'm not worthy because they're not worthy because they're not doing what they should, which both aren't true, are they? Isn't that sad? Like, I know this is simple, but can we agree we don't really get this? I, I, I meet very few people that actually believe this. I'm not saying we shouldn't, so I'm saying we don't let it go inside. That God really loves us. He lavished it on We're his kids. Now, make no mistake, this is where John goes on to talk about how that's transformational. He says, listen, friends, now we're children of God. And what we will be has not yet been made known. In other words, we're being changed, but it's not complete. But we know that when Christ appears, when he returns, we shall be like him because we'll see him as he is. In other words, the more we see who God is as his kids, the more we want to be his kids like him. The drive is because of who he is, not because of some desire to please In other words, the more I really see who Jesus is, the more I want to be changed like him. And that's why at the end it says we have this hope. We purify ourselves because he's pure. In other words, we're being changed. That's effort, by the way. Do you see the difference? We are loved children of God, sons and daughters. And the Holy Spirit lives in us to change us, but that's driven by this deep love of who the Father is and wanting to be like him, not a fearful displeasure that maybe he won't love us if we don't do this or that. And I don't know about you, but I found in my own Christian life, there are areas that I cry out to God and he changes. And I'm so grateful. I can sense his work in changing me in my heart. There's areas where there's this partnership that I have effort in it and God moves through it. And there's areas where I keep working and they're not changing yet. And I don't know if they will in my lifetime. But I think God loves me anyway and I know he does. Do you see the difference? We live in a place of confidence of who he is and how he loves us. See, there's two ways to live. One is insecurity, and it never has time to rest. See, identity works out of rest. In case you don't know, uh, when Adam and Eve were made, their first day was Sabbath. (laughs) And then they worked from it. In other words, when we receive Jesus, we live as rest from his sons and daughters. And from that place of rest, we work. When we live in a place of insecurity, we constantly strive and there's no time to rest. I just, go in, go in the last week and ask yourself, have you ever told yourself, I don't have time for this right now? I don't have time to slow down. I don't have time to rest. I don't have time to actually believe I could operate in a place of being loved as a son or daughter. Because most of us say that. Most of us just say, I don't have time. I couldn't do this this way. And, and then here's a really simple thing to do with your technology. When you go on it and you start scrolling and trolling, ask yourself, is it feeding my insecurity or feeding my identity? And I'm willing to bet if we put these things down, we'd believe a lot more that God actually loves us as sons and daughters. Because I am convinced that this kind of engagement and over-engagement with media and social media erodes away at our identity. 
I want to offer you a couple of very simple helps, I hope, today, because we're his kids, and being his kids, not doing as his kids. And so I want to offer you three things, and the first is much more of a significant juncture. It's just the reality that I want you to receive the Lord's love as a son and daughter. And, and I would bet for some of you among us, some of you watching online, you've never actually said, I want to follow Jesus. I want to be a Christian. And what that simply means is it's thanking God that he sent his son to die for us, that he substituted himself, that he poured out lavish love on you to be a son or a daughter. And you're simply praying, Lord, help me receive that. But let me give you a second category, because I think a lot of us as Christians, we say we believe his forgiveness, but we live not knowing him because we live striving. And even if we don't strive, we live constantly believing we're disappointing him. And that's not who he is either. And maybe you need a renewed sense of that. So before I go on, I want to stop and pray. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. And if you want to respond to him for the first time, just pray this with me. Lord Jesus, thank you for your lavish love. Thank you that you died and took my place. And thank you the Father has adopted me, chosen me, redeemed me, and made me free to live differently. And I receive that. Fill me with your Holy Spirit freshly. And then maybe for some of us, it's a time to renew. You're living as if you're not forgiven and living as if God's constantly disappointed. And maybe you'd pray it this way. Lord Jesus, thank you as well. Even though I know your forgiveness, I have forgotten or failed to live and missed out living in this. Reveal the Father's love for me that I know I am chosen and redeemed, and freed, and adopted, and cherished by you. And fill me fresh, Holy Spirit, that I would live differently from this place of security and identity. I pray in Jesus' name for each. They would discover your presence in a new way, and just even have a sense of your love over them now, Lord. Amen. Let me give you two other things that are just practical things. One's weekly, and I'm, I'm going to encourage you to practice a Sabbath. And there's a reason for this which there's a lot of reasons. People argue, you know, is it, it's one of the commandments, so that makes it important. It's also Jewish, so it isn't. See, but God made the rhythm of Sabbath in creation, not just through the law. And I want you to understand it this way. Sabbath is intended to be an image of when Jesus comes. Sabbath means we live at rest. We live at peace. When Sabbath was given, it was given to be love for who you are, not what you do. Everyone was given it, from the wealthiest to those who were slaves. They were all given a Sabbath from work. And it was a day to know God loves you for who you are and not what you do. Tell me we don't need a practice like that today. That's why I'm so, I'm so, I ache when I hear people say, you don't understand my life, I can't do it. And I just want to say, then you don't understand who you are in God. Because you can't miss it. And here's what I want to tell you. It will be a gift to you if you can learn to begin to take a day of rest each week. And this means no work. And I'm just going to challenge the achievers because I'll get this all the time. Well, you know, I like to get things done. It's very restful for me when I accomplish something and I check it off the list. And I would just tell you, you're full of it. <laughs> the, the reality is that's a nice way of saying I so like doing, I feel better when I do. I'm telling you, you need to find out what it's like to not be, not be achieving. Now, some of you need to get to work more, but that's a whole other story for another time. 
I'm telling you, if you started practicing, I, I've been doing this at a, a smaller level just with people I'm discipling individually. We do it with staff more. But board, I'm telling you, I have never had somebody come back to me and go, that is a horrible idea. Sometimes they have trouble because in their family, other people struggle with it. But cultivating a pattern of rest is an essential thing for somebody who knows they're a son or daughter of God. And by the way, what it reminds you is you can't get everything done. Did, did you know you can't get everything done you intended to? Did you know you're not the Savior? Good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did everybody else know that? No, I'm just kidding. I, I wish I could implore this more, but I want to tell you it's a weekly practice. The last one is the most significant, and it's just learning to slow down and be with Jesus. I've met people who practice spiritual things. Like, they'll read the Bible, but they don't really discover Jesus. They read the Bible, and what they find is, oh, this is God telling me he's disappointed, and I better do something better. Like, then you didn't read it right. It doesn't mean God doesn't convict. God convicts me lots when I read Scripture, but it's this loving thing as a father to a son saying, hey, I love you. Here's some things I want you to see in my love. And if I point this out, I'm going to be with you in this. And we don't read it for his love. We read it for his correction and his disappointment. And I'm telling you, you've got to learn to actually slow down and be with Jesus. That's how John finishes this. You know how we're most changed when we see him as he is? That's our eternal destiny, by the way, in case you don't know. We get to spend eternity seeing him as he is and being changed by him and living differently more and more as we uncover him. Tell me that's not amazing. I want to be a son in a way that I will find deep joy. And I want to bring effort to my life because of who he is and what he does in me, not because I'm hoping that I won't disappoint him and it'll be some mess because I didn't quite do enough. Let me just give you this one final picture, and then we're going to actually do a confession together of this. I love this. It's a, I got to remember where the story was from. But uh, Janice Smith tells a story. It's of her own son and his wife and their daughter. And she's telling about how they were getting ready to do a garage sale. I'm sure lots of you have done this. And they're spending weeks putting uh, values on all the stuff they were going to sell. And the daughter, the granddaughter, came to her mom and said, Mom, how much am I worth? Put a tag on me. And, and the mom said, no, I'm not going to put a tag. And the girl just was relentless. She just wouldn't give in. Mom, I want to know what I'm worth. Put a, put a tag on me. And the mom, I think brilliantly, finally said, okay. And she just wrote priceless. And she put it on her. Do you know that God sees you as priceless? That you are the very creation he made in his image. And he adores and cherishes who he made in you. Every single one of you. We watched parents dedicate kids this morning. Do you think they look at those kids and go, man, I love, I love who this is that God gave me. And that's how God looks at every one of us. So I want to finish, first of all, reminding you you're priceless. And then we're going to do this prayer of confession. We've been doing ones each week that is very much tailored to what we've been talking about today. And all I'm trying to do is give us language for some of the things we're asking God to do. So we're going to read it together as a way of saying we collectively are praying this to the Lord and kind of letting go of and asking for. So with this, you'll join me in praying these words. Father... Help me to let go of distractions, of those things that feed striving and insecurity. Help me to rest in you, to work out of rest, trusting I am yours. Jesus, help me to seek communion with you and be changed by the connection to you. Let my efforts be rooted in you, Holy Spirit. Lord, help me to live fully in you that I will have nothing to gain, nothing to lose, and nothing to prove. 
I am yours and nothing more is needed. I say this because of the love you have lavished on us, Jesus. Let this be sealed in our hearts now in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let me pray for us. So, Lord, I asked at the beginning, you do whatever you want to do. And I'm praying at the root of that will be your whisper of a father's love for his kids. God, I don't know what's happened in our lives that keep us from believing it. I don't know how far back it goes. In our own growing up, it goes in different circumstances. But I'm praying you'd break through that and help us know your father's love for us. I pray we would learn to live differently. We would sit in a place of rest as your sons and daughters and work out of it, Lord, in a way that brings effort to being yours in new ways and changing the world around us. God, lead us to whatever you want to do collectively, individually, in our relationships and in our homes. I pray this in your name. Amen. I want to invite you to stand. And we always give some space after the message to worship and to have communion. And so we're going to just take a little time here to sing and to celebrate communion. And I'll let the Lord continue to speak to you. Even as we sing words about who he is, even if he gives us language of what our own struggles might be, ask God to speak to you as we worship him. And even as we celebrate communion, let's sing together. When I feel the fear come, I won't run away, even in valleys. Your presence is enough when I feel the shaky. Oh, I will stand my ground. Your presence is enough. Cause you are with me. Father, you're for me. Fear will never conquer me. Cause I belong to Jesus. I'm never alone. I'm never abandoned. Oh, fear you never conquer me. Cause I belong to Jesus When I feel the pressure I won't run away Even in tension Your presence is enough When I'm in the mystery stand my ground my God you are enough you are with me and Father you're for me oh fear will never conquer me cause I belong to Jesus I'm never I'm never abandoned. We will never conquer me. Cause I belong to Jesus. Let me invite you to be seated just for a few minutes. You should have gotten cups when you came in, which are the elements we use for communion. The bread is at the top and the
the drink is at the bottom. Uh, we don't have a closed communion. It's open. It means if, if you want to pursue Jesus, we want you to participate. We don't want you to feel like you have to. If you're in a place of question and doubt, you're not ready. And we don't have stipulations to being a member here. But we believe God pours out grace. And it's been the centering act of the church and really is a centering act even of the text we heard today. See, on the night Jesus was betrayed, he took bread, he broke it, and he gave thanks. And he said very simply, this is my body given for you. Now, I want to be clear before we even take of it. Oftentimes, these are called heresies. People will think things like, well, Jesus didn't really experience pain. He was God. He was insulated. Jesus didn't really fully come in the flesh. It was a spiritual thing. And that's not true. And part of the reason we take of the bread is to be reminded God himself came in humanity, in the shell of humanity. That's how much he loves you and wants you to be his kid. And we receive knowing what he's done for us. Let's take of the bread. In the same way Jesus took the cup, he said, it's a new covenant in my blood for the forgiveness of sins. Scripture teaches that without bloodshed, there's no forgiveness. In other words, there must be some sacrifice in life for this. And we read it already today. Jesus is that atoning sacrifice. And that new life that he gives us is given in the spirit to both love us and transform us. Let's take of the cup. <coughs> and my prayer, very simply, is that God would pour out his presence on you this wouldn't just be a religious routine, but you would actually experience his grace and love. Let's stand together as we close out our time singing, kind of giving an exclamation to what it is that he's done and does in us. When the rain fell, when the floods came, when the wind blew, I was okay. You were right there. You're in every step I take When the night falls, when my heart aches If I stumble, I will not break You'll be right there You're in every step I take You're my shepherd, you're my keeper My provider, my protector around me. You're in every step I take. You're the goodness. You're the constant. You're my first love and my future. You surround me. You're in every step I take. Oh, and you are with me. Oh, Father, you're for me. I belong to Jesus I'm never alone oh, I'm never abandoned He will never conquer me Cause I belong to Jesus Let's sing that again Oh, you are with me Oh, Father, you're for me I belong to Jesus Cause we're not alone I'm never alone Oh, I'm never abandoned 
God is with you, God is for you, and he loves you. He is your father. You are his son, his daughter. And even in those places that you most ache and most struggle and most fear being known, he is there to help guide you through and help transform you, not out of striving, but out of his love and resting in his help as you do work towards him. May you place your hands out. I just want to give you a blessing before you go. May the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ continually fill you with his spirit. May he constantly remind you of your sonship, of your daughtership. May his spirit guide you that your efforts will be rooted in him as you look at Jesus and become more like him for his glory, for your joy. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.